Part three and final of session 86. Let's finish this up talking about the energy web body. Let's find out what this is. So in the last part, we got as far as we could, which was the end of the conversation on dreaming and the activity of sleeping slash dreaming. There is a couple of things that to me, they uh, refer to sleeping or deep sleep and other aspects of refreshing the body. Uh, Ross still calls it dreaming, but yeah, just the activity of going to sleep and what happens with the mind then and the body as well. Speaking of the body, that's what we're gonna start talking about here as they pick up the conversation in terms of the body prior to the veil and post veil. So uh, there's not much to say from the last two parts other than, uh, yeah, we just covered dreaming and I forget what else we, we covered dreaming even in the first part uh, but the other um, the other part of the first uh, the initial part of the session was I think there was unconscious mind and other uh, minor things about psychic reading but okay we can go into the first question that I have here new and I kind of cover this or talked about it, mentioned it, but didn't really cover it because there's not much to cover in the last part. So I'm just going to reread it. Don says in question 16, you mentioned loss of knowledge and control over the body as being a factor that was helpful in the evolutionary process due to veiling. Could you enumerate the important losses of knowledge and control over the body? And Ross says this query contains some portions which would be more helpful answered where some intervening material requested. Don says, I am at a loss to know what to request. Can you, and he chuckles, give me an idea of what area of intervening material I should work on? And Ross says, nope. However, we shall be happy to answer the original query if it is still desired, if you first perceive that there is information lacking. So these are the two questions that I wanted to cover last time but they pertain to the follow-up conversation so I just stopped there in any case uh, Don wants to know in essence what are the functions or the helpful uh, functions of the body losing is um, its capacity to know itself so for example the veil was drawn between conscious mind and unconscious mind that created also a veil between the body and the functions of the body. So we, we're not conscious of how we beat our heart, for example. But we do beat our hearts, you know. Um, uh, breathing is the threshold here because we're not aware of breathing and yet it's breathing us, right? Until we, this is why breathing is so important in meditation because somehow we can take control over this function of the body. And yet, if we forget about it, it still happens. So uh, I'm sure 
A lot of you have become become aware of your breathing. That's normal. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what Don wants to know here. What are these functions of the body that are veiled now that were... Um, how do they work before? We're going to talk about all of this. But raw as usual, they say, you know, there are portions that uh, you need to ask, I guess, specifically. And so, um, you know, Don tries to kind of ask, you know, what's the intervening material? Please let me know. And he laughs <laughs> because he knows already that Ra is going to, to say nope. And so they say right away no, but they also say that they'll be happy to answer the original question um, if you kind of ask it in a different way, basically. So let's dive into that. Don says in question 18, perhaps I can question it slightly differently here. I might ask why loss of knowledge and control over the body was helpful. Yeah, why lose knowledge over the body and what's happening in the body. Uh, so here Ross says, the knowledge of the potentials of the physical vehicle before the veiling offered the mind-body-spirit a free range of choices with regard to activities and manifestations of the body, but offer little in the way of development of polarity. And I'll talk about that asterisk in a second. Uh, they continue to say, when the knowledge of these potentials and functions of the physical vehicle is shrouded from the conscious mind complex, the mind-body-spirit complex is often nearly without knowledge uh, of how to best manifest its being or its beingness. Okay, so where am I? Here we are. Uh, so in question 18, there's something that I'll, I'll say. Um, there is, is um, don't ask me why I say this, but I like to be thorough. The, the addition of the raw contact, I'm actually curious to see if this was left. It, it must have been left in, in the re-listen version. Let's look it up. So question 18, yes. Um, this is why it is totally recommended from my point of view that you read the raw contact. So let's get a little bit nerd with the material here. There is the re-listen version, which is um, almost a complete, if not complete, uh, transcript of the whole uh, Q&A, you know, everything that we can listen to in the audios. And then there is the raw contact, which is this book you can get in Amazon. If you're watching YouTube, you can see it. Um, why did this happen? Here it is. Okay, so we have this, that book. That's the raw contact. And you can find it online too, obviously free. And um, yeah, you'll be able to to read it directly. And so I recommend that you go to the format of the raw contact. Why? Because there are some edits that make it easier to, to read it. And one such edit is this one. Ra initially said here, if you go back to, to the question or the answer that they, they had, they said the loss to the conscious mind of the knowledge 
but that doesn't make sense. And I'll do my best to explain why. Because they begin to say the loss to the conscious mind of the knowledge of the potential of the physical vehicle, uh, so far so good, right? They're trying to explain why the laws of consciousness of this knowledge of our body and the functions uh, within. But then they say before the veiling offer the mind, body, spirit. They're talking about post veil and then they move into pre veil. Um, we don't know why this was said this way. It just shows that uh, Ra is not an infallible source of information, especially because they were in a medium of contact and that's just the nature of these channelings. So some incoherence might be present. Uh, they have done a tremendous work with this material. So we know that it's, um, it has been very well combed, so to speak. But yeah, in this case, it's nothing big. It's just that they started talking about the loss because it did happen. They're talking about the loss to the conscious mind of this knowledge. But then they move into talking about the conditions before the veil. So we're left with conditions before the veil. And then we can move on to post veil. All right. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Okay, so what do they say? The knowledge of the potentials of the physical vehicle before the veiling offer the mind, body, spirit a free range of choices with regard to activities and manifestations of the body, but offer little in the way of development of polarity. So likewise, and they'll use the same example of sexual energy transfer. Likewise, the knowledge of prevail preventing uh, prevented polarization. This can be understood, of course, as if I know everything, then I don't care about anything. See, I don't have a drive, a will. I don't have this narrow focus of attention to drive my life and my experience, thus increasing polarization in one way or another. So that makes sense. And Ross says, when the knowledge of these potentials and functions of the physical vehicle is shrouded, so when the veil is drawn, the conscious mind complex, the mind-body-spirit complex, is often nearly without knowledge of how to best manifest its beingness. I think there was also a correction here. Uh, body complex. Complex was removed. Okay, so there, there might be another instance here where oh no this is um uh no that's later on okay so oh no there's a there's an edit here in mind body spirit but that's already yeah they say mind body spirit complex so in essence i'm just saying this because if you listen you can actually go to law of one.info and listen to, to the trans not the transcript uh, to the audio if you listen to it, you'll see that Ra says uh, the loss to the conscious mind of the knowledge. That's how they start. And they also say mind, body, spirit complex. When they say offer the mind, body, spirit complex, a free range of choices. So complex was removed and also the, um, the beginning of the answer was removed for clarity. 
Uh, complex was also corrected in session 87, so it was an arbitrary decision. It was taken out of uh, Ra making a correction later on. When Don, Ra and Don corrected this in session 87. So, okay, let's finish this up. When they say, when the knowledge of these potentials and functions... Um, yeah, so when when the knowledge of these potentials and functions is taken away from the conscious mind, um, then there is um, yeah, it, it leaves it leaves the conscious mind. When this is taken away from the conscious mind, it leaves it without knowledge uh, of how to best manifest its beingness. So a lot of people would say, like, why why would we handicap ourselves? Well, because that's what we need for polarization. Don't ask me. I wasn't there prevail. I don't know all the questions. <laughs> I don't know all the answers. But it makes sense. It makes sense to me then. You make it difficult. You see, imagine a game. People often forget this. Or have a wrong notion that this is work, you know. Because we have this in our minds, we think that uh, to accomplish things, you need to uh, struggle and make an effort to it. And while this is true in the terms, in the meaning of work as electricity, right? You have work being done by uh, potential electricity. It is untrue to imagination. You see, you're not. I mean, no, I, I said that wrong. <laughs> it is also the same in imagination. Like you need to put work to imagine things, but the purpose of imagination is to enjoy your infinite potential of imagining things, right? So that's what consciousness is doing. And for, for this to be worth it, it needs to be difficult. Because if awareness knows itself, then it's it's a it's a game that is not worth playing. It's so easy, just like any other video game. You want a certain amount of resistance. You don't want to be completely out of knowledge of everything. You have to have some knowledge. So imagine you're playing chess, right? And you're playing with somebody who you can easily beat. I mean, they're not even trying. They barely even know how to move the pieces, right? Is it worth it? No, you would lose interest. It would be too easy. On the other hand, if you play somebody who is very good and you are barely able to move the pieces around him or her, uh, then it's not worth it either. You know, it's too difficult. So you want the right amount of resistance. And this is what the veil provided the right amount of resistance for us to continue on interested in this game of life. That's the whole purpose of it. And so the veil was introduced and has been, uh, according to Ra, reshaped and um, redesigned in certain ways as to deliver what we have now, which is, uh, I think it's a beautiful I mean, if you if you look at the nature of mind, and then you look at the nature of consciousness, and then you look at the nature of physical reality, you see, wow, I can't believe this feels so real. And 
that's how that's what it is you know that's why the mystic is so fascinated with whatever is happening you see because there is not um there's not a shadow of a doubt that this is consciousness there is there's nothing real here and yet it feels so real and we can have such a vivid experience this is what befuddles um the seeker initially because it says no this is very real what do you mean this is an illusion and so some people take it as um deceit an illusion in terms of deceit it's an illusion in terms of magic that's what illusion is it's a magic you know it's a magic trick it's a magic trick of the mind beautiful just beautiful so we want to we want to go back to that knowledge and that's what we do in this path with the law of one non-duality or simply mystical traditions okay Rosses to finish this up However, this state of lack of knowledge offers an opportunity for a desire to grow within the mind complex, as I was explaining. This desire is that which seeks to know the possibilities of the body complex, the ramifications of each possibility and the eventual biases thusly built have within them a force which can only be generated by such desire or will to know. So there it is, that's the narrowing of focus that I said and that I was alluding to with the refinement of the veil to give us this perception of reality and this feeling of being a human, being a body, being a mind and separate from everything else. It just it just makes it more worth it. It's the, it's the ultimate version of the game that we're playing. You see, <laughs> if you want updates on this game, you're going to have to um, contribute to it. So you're going to have to add to whatever the mind is, the universal mind, <laughs> add to it. I know a lot of people are saying, no, 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 this is too hard. This is too difficult. Well, your praise may be heard. I like it. And I think everybody else that penetrates the veil says, yes, I agree. I like it. But again, we all vote. I guess this is a democratic system. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't think I have much to add here. Uh, if you reread it, you see that Ra is saying just that. Uh, this state of ignorance, you see, Ra doesn't say ignorance, but lack of knowledge is ignorance. You know, that's what we call avidya. You know, it's uh, it's ignorance. It's not ignorance as being stupid or dumb. It's ignorance in the sense of oh, I ignore that. I had no knowledge. Of it so yeah this offers an opportunity for a desire to grow within the mind complex notice that they don't talk about the body complex you don't grow in the body complex you grow in the mind so the mind needs to be sharpened as a tool to grow so this desire is that which seeks to know the possibilities of the body complex of course it's through the body that we have experiences so we tend to grow in mind so we can make better use of the body and because we don't have any knowledge of the body then we we learn more and we want to know more about the body we have sciences all around the body the ramifications of each possibility and the eventual biases thusly built have within them a force which can only be generated by such desire or will to know uh, so yeah these biases are 
are within and they, uh, I'm sorry, these biases, as they say, have built within them a force which can only be generated by such desire or will to know or ignorance. So the more we ignore, the more we want to know. And because we are veiled, that knowing has to be directed by will. So it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to tap into this and then I'm going to have access to all the knowledge. Um, Non-duality was predicated like this in the late 19th century and early 20th century. Perhaps even now we still have some vestiges of this um, romanticizing of non-duality in the West where it was about controlling the mind and controlling your reality and doing all these psychic things. And I don't deny that that's a possibility, of course, because the more you train your mind and the more you're capable to do um, here in this physical reality, um, but that's not the point of non-duality. That's just a distraction within it. Uh, the point of non-duality is to live from all power, all being. And all being, all power is not trying to manipulate reality, is enjoying reality. So it's a stepping stone, I would guess, for some people. Uh, later on, it needs to be refined into something else, into some sort of service and detach service, I suppose. But yeah, that's just my take. Let's move on to the next question. Question 19, Don says, perhaps you could give examples of use of the body prior to veiling and after veiling in the same aspect to that so we could, so that we could understand the change in knowledge and control over the body more clearly. Could you do this, please? And funny, Ra, they say we could. <laughs> can, I, can I please make a joke on this? Um, <laughs> I just love when Ra says he gets a question or they get a question and they just simply say yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, there was, um, I mean, Ra is willing to explain metaphysically in his. Uh, to the extent of their knowledge and capacity to inform through language. But uh, this reminds me of, the, first of all, this is, I think this is funny. I think they're just being funny. It's their way of, you know, winking their eyes, saying, you know, we, we we're playing with you. <laughs> um, it was a Zen master, I forget who it was who would sometimes, you know, he would give uh, conferences or uh, gatherings and somebody would ask a very complex scientific or metaphysical question, you know, about the, uh, what would be the, the, the driving force in nature to provide the vibration for things to become what they are, something like that. And the master would just look at the questionnaire probably for like a minute or so, generate that awkward silence or noble silence as we know it too. And at the end, just say, yes, <laughs> which I think is genius. I love it. Um, and, you know, in Zen, of course, 
If you ask a physical question, you'll be answered with a metaphysical one just to vex you. And if you have, ask a metaphysical one, they'll answer you with a physical one. Um, so there's the, the joke or the story of uh, the student asking the master for a knife and the master gives the knife, you know, offering the blade, usually offer the knife, you know, by holding the blade and giving, you know, the pummel or the handle. And the student says, uh, please hand it to me uh, with um, with the pummel. And the master says, what are you going to do with the pummel? <laughs> you know, like, uh, that's the kind of thing that Zen masters pull. Um, and it's always to vex you and shake you, you know, to see what's going on in your head. <laughs> uh, in any case, what are you going to do with the pummel? Is that the right word? I think it is. Or the handle of the knife. You know what I mean. Alright, so, of course, Don says in question 20, will you do this? <laughs> Ra says, yes, let us deal with the sexual energy transfer. Before the veiling, such a transfer was always possible due to, the, to there being no shadow upon the grasp of the nature of the body and its relationship to the other mind-body-spirits in this particular manifestation. Before the veiling process, there was a near total black uh, correct myself, total lack of the use of this sexual energy transfer beyond green ray. So this is the example that I said they were going to make and it has to do with sexual energy transfer, of course. Because I can be a little bit naughty here. I can say that Ra always uses sexual energy transfer as an example because they excelled at that in their third density. So. They were very sexual. Uh, did you know that? They said that in the first 20 sessions or something like that. I forget when. Uh, maybe later on. Second book, maybe? No further than that. Yeah, they said that it, they concentrated a lot in sexual energy transfer. So they know what they're talking about. Um, and so, what are we dealing with? Um, one such example of what Don wanted to know, which was uh, give examples of the body prior to veiling and after veiling in the same aspects. So he could understand, you know, the knowledge and control over these functions, you see. So we know already from the past sessions that Ra specifically said that this veiling of the mind created... Um, in sexual energy transfer the capacity to seek with more intensity that green ray activation and transfer which is what sexual energy transfer is about so when you introduce the veil then sexual transfers are not possible all the time there are attempts because the physical body will attempt to have uh, sexual intercourse but you know not necessarily would happen this transmission of love. So the initial drive is not love, is actually lust, you know, libido, libido, which was uh, Freud's um, favorite word, I guess, uh, for this explanation of um, the nature of reality. So, 
that change in the past, talking about pre-veil conditions, experiences without veil, everybody was having an energy transfer, sexual energy transfer. So it wasn't not much to it. It wasn't a novelty. You see, it wasn't something that, wow, how did that happen? So there's a lot to say about veiling yourself. I mean, people, I know some people have this question. Why? Why? I mean, I want to experience everything in maximum capacity and so on. Well, play with your imagination. Do the same thing and tell me if you have the same amount of fun. In your imagination, you are God Almighty. Right? You know everything. You're not you don't experience anything if you're that. Whatever imagination you can possibly create is going to be dull. It's going to be pallid, languid. You see, however, if you do get involved in your imagination as a point of ignorance and discovering things and exploring new, you know, this could be fascinating. People write books and novels and they create scripts for movies. And we, we are fascinated by this because we enter the character that goes through the process of uh, the whole hero's journey is predicated on this. You see, so. There is an intensity to this lack of knowledge, to ignorance. Um, and of course, the biggest release is what the Buddha called Nirvana, knowing that, ah, this is the game. And so, but that's only one step. Uh, realizing Nirvana is just the initial step. <laughs> that's nothing. The rest comes into getting involved in the game. And that's, a, again, you, you know that I'm very much influenced by Zen. And in Zen, you know, we do the same thing. We we go back to reality. We don't get, you know, uh, we don't go into a cave and become completely isolated because oh, Nirvana, stuck here. You, know, you get stuck in samsara, then you get stuck in Nirvana. <laughs> How do you get unstuck from both? Well, collapse them. Nirvana and samsara are one. This is it. It's not going to get any better than this. So might as well enjoy it. This is the concept that was refined as the Bodhisattva uh, in Mahayana, I believe, and later on in Zen was just a given that achieving liberation is not for, for yourself. That would be very selfish. <laughs> it wouldn't be. So we're forgetting about everybody else. Where's our compassion? No compassion. All about myself. <laughs> um, so we go back, you know, Bodhisattva is the need, the, the idea that uh, anybody who reaches nirvana wants to come back and say, dude, this is fun. You know, why are you suffering about this? That's essentially what we do. Sorry to make it so uh, colloquial, but that's what it is, you know. Is that it's shaking somebody by the shoulders and saying, stop suffering. <laughs> you know, it's fun. Uh, but we need to become a little bit more um, uh, delicate with, what we, with how we do this. Because you can go crazy, you know, trying to explain this. And Ra talked about this. When you make contact with intelligent infinity, then service to others is automatic because it's it's just a way of radiating that which you know. That's that contact with intelligent infinity to me is nirvana. There's no other. There's nothing beyond intelligent infinity. There's nothing beyond nirvana, which is the source of you. The nature of happiness the nature of you.
So I don't know how I got sidetracked to all of this. I guess just enjoying the fact that this is a veiled experience. Um, yeah, so before the veiling process, there was a near total lack of the use of this sexual energy transfer beyond Green Ray. You see, that's all we did. There was no desire to seek more because everybody knew. So no activities in the higher energy centers. Okay, what else did they say? They continue and say, this also due to the same unshadowed knowledge each had of each. Right, so unshadowed, no veiling. Everybody knew who everybody was. Just the self, that's it. There was, in third density then, little purpose to be seen in the more intensive relationships of mind, body, and spirits, which you may call those of the mating process, since each other self was seen to be the creator, and no other self seemed to be more the creator than other. So, uh, very little, if not a total lack, like Ross said, uh, differentiation, of course. And we know differentiation here in third density so there was no desire to have intensive relationships and this growth that comes out of that polarity gained uh, potential polarity in every single relationship i wouldn't even call this sexual energy transfer um potential but just energy transfer in general of the potential of polarization in each interaction that we have with people so all of this is intensified here, is potentiated by the lack of knowledge. So, yeah, this makes sense. I don't think I have much to say here. Uh, it's all about what the veil uh, brought. And of course, we're talking about the body. Let's not derail from that. The body is the way in which we experience reality. So by having this ignorance, this lack of knowledge, there is a drive to know more, to know more about me and about others. So that is what creates the potential for polarization. What else do they say? And this is, this is a long answer. They say, after the veiling process, it became infinitely more difficult to achieve green ray energy transfer due to the great areas of mystery and unknowing concerning the body complex and its manifestations. However, also due to the great shadowing of the manifestations of the body from the conscious mind complex, when such energy transfer was experienced, it was likelier to provide catalysts which caused a bonding of self with other self in a properly polarized configuration. So this is another thing that um, this bonding, let me get to that in a minute. After the veiling process became infinitely more difficult to achieve green ray energy transfer. That's what I said, you know, it's all lust. Sex was associated with just reproduction. And I mean, we can see this in society not even too long ago where, you know, women were supposed to be uh, what is it called, a, a mare, a breeding mare for uh, for men or for <laughs> for the country in general, because hey, you're, you need to produce 
uh, heirs or you need to produce warriors or you need to produce workers <laughs> it was just like a total machine and women were just that cog in the machine that produced babies so you know that's that's not a very uh, enlightened way to see reproduction or what precedes reproduction which is the act of love the act of you know becoming collapsing that distance between two people um, so yeah this is this makes sense <laughs> I mean Ra I think it exaggerates a bit but maybe not when they say it became infinitely more difficult to achieve <laughs> green ray energy transfer um, so I don't think it's that difficult uh, not anymore at least but yeah I guess at the beginning it was kind of difficult to think that this physical reaction that I have hormonally uh, is meant to produce love, which I don't even know what it is because I'm still a primitive human. Uh, and the biases that we created, which are we're still kind of surfing, all those biases are still in the unconscious, collective unconscious. And yeah, the... Um, or the collective consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It's just that great database in which we all derive our behaviors and uh, desires and inclinations and biases. So, okay, also due to the gray shadowing, see the difference comes here. Once you dedicate yourself to this path, then everything becomes more intensified, you see, different than what it was. So at this point, you might be asking again, why? Why introduce the veil so we could all be lost in lust? <laughs> um, well, because it creates this possibility. You see, it is worth it to go through this ignorance of the body and the mind to eventually reach this point. This is the climax. You see, if you see planet Earth as one being, and you remove yourself from the equation and say, oh, poor me, I have to suffer this plan that somebody made and blah, blah, blah. It was you who created it, so stop blaming it on somebody else. <laughs> so instead of doing that, you simply see the planet, just look at it as a story, you, you don't exist. There's just a planet going through these motions and isn't it beautiful that at the end, inevitably, it blossoms into fourth density or love and understanding of course it is so to me it makes sense it, it it's worth it and so one such thing ra says that is um when such energy transfer was experienced it was likelier to provide catalyst which caused basically monogamy a bonding of self with other self it doesn't have to mean specifically monogamy but you different than how it was pre-veil where everybody was just giving sexual energy transfer to everybody it didn't matter because everybody was the creator whatever um and then the dark ages where it was just sex because sex you know and reproduction and lust uh satisfying that animal need and now we get to this you know this is infinitely more pure and beautiful i would say experientially of course so it makes sense i like it i approve it let's let's keep it
Okay. Ra finishes this answer by saying, from this point, it was far more likely that higher energy transfers would be sought by this mated pair of mind-body-spirit complexes, thus allowing the creator to know itself with greater beauty, solemnity, and wonder. Intelligent infinity having been reached by this sacramental use of this function of the body, each mind-body-spirit complex of the mated pair gained greatly in polarization and in ability to serve. So let me put it this way. Uh, you may say, well, now I have to engage in the sexual energy transfers and become enlightened by it. You may, you could, it's not necessary, but you could. And I would say that once again, this is a pathway. There are possibly potentially infinite pathways to intelligent infinity. But this is one such pathway and it's very strong. So this, you see the, the, the crucial thing here is uh, making contact with intelligent infinity. That's all there is, making contact with what is, that which pervades everything. Uh, and that was the point, you see, First of all, they say, and I love it, see, I, I promise I wasn't even aware of this part when they said, allowing the creator to know itself with greater beauty, solemnity, and wonder. That's what I meant about this, um, this climax of, and quite appropriately, not trying to make a pun here, but yeah, the climax of releasing this ignorance of self and knowing that this is you know, this is just an expression of love, not lust. And to do that is such a different experience, of course. And that's there. And also that, of course, the more we we do this, the higher the experiences will be, right? That's what the higher energy transfers would be sought with this sexual energy transfer. And you would be seeking more and more towards that, a way farther away from that um, lower levels of sex, which is just the lust. And the higher you move into this uh, with your mated pair, because it just, it doesn't work with just randomly anybody, um, I would think, I don't think that level of penetrating the veil together is something that is available right away. But I want to discard it. I would just say that it's, um, it makes more sense, as Ross says, that the more this was experienced, then the more it was sought by the mated pair. And yeah, that would uh, create this sacramental use of the function of the body, you see. And yeah, that would definitely gain in greater, in greater polarization. Touching intelligent infinity or making contact with intelligent infinity, regardless of what pathway you use, will yield this polarization. And of course, ability to serve, like I said. Uh, anybody who makes contact with intelligent infinity automatically uh, desires to serve. All right, let's go to the next question. Question 21. 
And Don says, did any of the other aspects of loss of knowledge or control over the body approach to any degree in efficiency what you have described? And I think this is the last question we have. Let's see. Ross says, each function of the body complex has some potential after the veiling to provide helpful catalysts. We did choose the example of sexual energy transfer due to its central place in the functionary capabilities of the body complex made more useful by means of the veiling process. Which I would add, again, that they were very sexual, so I think that's why they use it too. <laughs> uh, come on, Ra. Be honest. Be honest. Um, but all right, let's, <laughs> let's talk about this. Um, yeah, each function of the body complex has potential after the veiling to provide helpful catalysts. Um, I can come up with an example right now, but yeah, well, I was very sexual too. I'm still very sexual, so I know what they mean. And I agree with, um, with this example. So uh, we did choose the example because the functionary capabilities of the body complex uh, made more useful by means of the veiling process. Yeah, I guess. Uh, since we got the full the full picture, we can say that. So, yeah, this is simply saying each um, of the functions of the body was capable of providing catalysts in this way. Right? Uh, did I skip? Yeah, let's read this. I don't know how I skipped this. But Ra is saying here. This this is the second to last question. The penultimate or penultimate. Ross says, this, this instrument grows somewhat low in energy. We would prefer to retain the maximal portion of reserve energy for which this instrument has given permission. We would therefore ask for one more full query at this working. So Don is going to say, question 22, to end up this session. I will assume that the veiling of the sexual aspect was of great efficiency because it is an aspect that has to do totally with a relationship with another self. It would seem to me that the bodily veilings having to do with other self interaction would be most efficient and those only related to the self be lower in efficiency in producing either positive or negative polarization. Am I correct in this assumption? Uh, pretty good question actually. And Ross says, you are correct to a great extent. Perhaps the most notable exception is the attitude of one already strongly polarized negatively towards the appearance of the body complex. There are those entities upon the negative path which take great care in the preservation of the distortion your peoples perceive as fairness, ugliness. This fairness of form is, of course, then used in order to manipulate other selves. May we ask if there are any brief queries? Uh, and I didn't cover the last question, although it's long, but it's all about, uh, yeah, just giving information about the contact and how to uh, maintain the channel or the instrument, Carla, more specifically. So I won't cover that. So really good question by, by Don, uh, realizing that yeah, one of the things that of great efficiency of sexual energy transfer is because it, uh, it you see, look at what happened pre-veil. There used to be this, everybody's everybody, 
everybody's god you know source intelligent infinity there is no such distinction as me and you i mean perceptually it is but i know everything i am not ignoring uh, your nature and my nature when this happens then what before used to be a very pallid experience now it is a very strong you know other selves become the focus of our attention whether in the positive or the negative path right so that is what don is noticing here this great efficiency has to do because there is a relationship with another self and so he notices that the bodily veilings having to do with other self interaction would be most efficient and those only related to the self be lower in efficiency in producing either positive or negative polarization huh those related to the self yes so only with yourself would be um, weak let's say and so don is right on the money ra says you are correct to a great extent and they give us a notable exception which is the um the negative ones and the negative ones seemed i think there was another question where ra said this that they the negative uh, entities like to manipulate their physical being to be more attractive to whatever it is that i guess is the consensus of how attractive we are um this is such a relief for us who are ugly <laughs> we did not design a very beautiful body and so we like to maintain this ugliness <laughs> for polarization purposes <laughs> uh, but yeah th this can be taken with a grain of salt of course because if you consider to be yourself attractive then am i negative because i i see myself attractive i don't know <laughs> you see um you may not be as attractive as you think or you may not be as negative as you think and yet you are attractive i don't know this gets into prejudices that i don't want to talk about <laughs> because there's nothing to say it's all very subjective i have found in my own experience that attractiveness is a very subjective thing i notice it with all the girls i know that sounds like a lot but um there have been uh, many many women in my life and they're all so different I mean, I, uh, my wife told me <laughs> after knowing most of them uh, she said did you have a, a specific type of woman I said no I mean just as long as they were nice with me <laughs> that was it uh, you know, I, I never attached a sort of uh, preference so yeah when i look back i see them <laughs> just didn't i wanted all all kinds of experiences with women and yeah i i don't i don't understand uh attractiveness i i know it from my point of view but i know it's so subjective <laughs> that it cannot be put out there so i suppose this has to do more with manipulation of course which is what ross talking about and i guess you know for people who are sensitive to manipulation like for example you look at um 
models or Instagram influencers or whatever, I'm not pointing fingers, but we have a sort of stereotype for men and women to look a specific way. And so that's because the, um, the mentality of the majority is to, you know, look at a certain body or face or hair or, uh, yeah, some sort of configuration as being extremely attractive. Uh, the only thing I would say, you know, that it's, it's naturally physically attractive is, you know, being healthy. Um, and, and I mean, this, I know everything that I say can be put into question, but yeah, being healthy and, you know, having uh, a strong body naturally provides that, you know, to, uh, as a sort of, yeah, you know, that that's, that's instinctual. So I see that, but I think that has been taken into stereotypes that, you know, this is a healthy body, you know, because it looks like this. <laughs> and we know how we have failed in this because um, healthy body is to be thin, right? Well, <laughs> no, wrong. Um, what's this called? Anorexia, bulimia. <laughs> you see what we do? Because that's healthy? No. Uh, being fat is healthy because my grandma used to say it. Well, we have an obese, uh, obese, obesity epidemic. We have that too. And so being muscular is healthy. Uh, we have <laughs> bodybuilders shooting all kinds of substances and hormones in their body and have huge muscles. Not healthy, man. <laughs> um, so you, we, it's not one particular thing. Being healthy is just, <laughs> again, it can be subjective as well, but uh, there are so many things. I don't need to bring this conversation to uh, cultural and social norms or ideas. Uh, we can stay a while here because, if anything, we can just highlight the fact that we humans have been very interested in the body. Uh, where does that lead us? I guess it's independent on each of us, but. Um, they all lead to, all roads lead to Rome. That would be intelligent infinity. But all right, with that in mind, we come to the end of this episode and the end of this session. Conclusions. So I didn't talk about something that I find extremely useful, which is, if you haven't watched my video on enlightenment through the body there's a little bit more information there as to how i see this and it checks with um, my knowledge of other teachers is that transcending the body that doesn't mean realizing you're not the body and wanting to live outside the body but realizing that you are not the body the limited body but actually the body is everything and you can only experience the body as a localized uh, bundle of feelings and sensations. Exploring this will lead you to enlightenment or contact with intelligent infinity. That is what enlightenment is. Because you will trace it back all the way to the source of the body, which is awareness. And you have to go through the mind first because the mind is uh, 
intertwine with the body. They're one and the same, but different perspectives. So the, the body is how the mind looks on the outside. How's that for an example? And your mind is all there is. Your mind is not dependent on the body. That's why we die, body, physically, the bundle of sensations and perceptions uh, dissolves and then we're left with everything else. The vast majority of what we are is clouded by this veil, by not knowing, by not knowing our unconscious mind. So I think it's a very useful exercise to explore your body in terms of introspection, to really feel this energy field. Uh, that's what this video is called. The energy web field of the body. Explore that and you would get into such a beautiful place. I won't give you any more expectations as to what you're going to feel, but uh, in fact, this is the first step that I take in the direct path uh, with my um, the people that I guide in mentorship. We first need to establish this because from here is where we're going to explore the rest of everything else. We cannot just leave the body as, ah, oh, not the body. I'm this, this soul or higher self or whatever that doesn't depend on the body. The body is how you look on the outside of your mind. But all right, that's all I got today. Um, appreciate you listening to session 86 all the way, I hope. Um, I have nothing else to say, but gratitude for you being here as always. And take good care of yourself. And I'll see you in session 87.